like the greatest. What is going on, my people? Good to be back. Just me this week. Lot happening over at the Stanley household. Justin's wife announced today that uh, she's going to continue to be a boy mom. They are having their second boy. Congratulations again to the Stanley household. That's incredible. Jenna, you're going to be a little outnumbered, but I'm uh, fully confident that you are going to take ownership of the household. And therefore, you're just going to have even more servants to do your bidding and your will as well. So um, again, cheers to, or I guess... Cheers to the Stanley family. That's awesome. Another one of my friends is having more children. It's fine. That just leaves me uh, more young minds to mold. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Another crazy week in the NFL. Um, I noticed this, and I'm not really too thrilled so I definitely did my Google searching just to really just affirm my uh, my fear when it comes to scoring the NFL scoring is down the largest we've had in recent memory was the COVID year ironically the COVID year was really great for scoring and points fantasy gambling implications 2021 took a little bit of a dip well, this year it's taken a drastic dip. We are seeing a lot of low-scoring games, and some of them have been exciting. Some of them have been unbearable to watch. Obviously, you know I don't watch shit games, so I try not to just watch them, but sometimes just every time I try to get out, they track me back in. It's it's a, it's, a, it's definitely a love-hate relationship, but um, with these low-scoring games, it's just – it, it the physicality that's there is still a part of the game and i'm a little old school when it comes to that side and that philosophy when it comes to you know every drive matters like every three and out every defensive series field position stuff like that I, i'm still a sucker for those type of games i don't need to see uh 45 42 or that one Monday night game where we saw the Kansas City Chiefs and the Rams, I think, score over 100 points combined. You know, I don't need to see that altogether. I still like a little bit of the physicality and still the sense of urgency for a every drive or I guess every yard matters. But I'm definitely not liking the trend that we're kind of seeing that's, that's playing behind the scenes. So, of course, I... I talked to you what's kind of going on a little bit of um, within front offices, salary cap, you know, business side. What I'm kind of seeing and what I'm kind of reading, there's a lot of defensive head coaches that are getting going to get looked at or going to get, I guess, poached to big head coaches. (sighs) Pretty much goes against the grain that I would want, whereas we talk about how the NFL is definitely trending more scoring, passing, aggressive, and progressive style thinking. And normally defensive coaches either just stick with their side and they usually let the offense just kind of figure it out or they have a superstar, they build around that superstar and they try to either get something else of help or they literally just rely on that superstar and it either goes to shit or (laughs) – 
their elbow gets hurt. <laughs> we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But anyway, it's good to have you all back. Won't keep you too long. Just a few things. Um, I wanted to kind of just uh, bounce off to you, just to kind of give you a little bit of uh, what we're all thinking. Rob sent us some talking points, and uh, they were they were phenomenal, and we didn't even go back and forth with them. It, it seemed really spot on. So right now he wants to know um, who the best team in the NFL is, where Justin made his opinion known, and I'm pretty sure he'll just kind of just stick with just the Eagles. Uh, <laughs> Why would he not? Uh, to me, it's um, it's different because there are different tier levels of competitors in the NFL, specifically now that we're halfway through. Oh. Huh. All right, I'm over. Um, we're halfway through. So now we have a little bit of an idea of team's identity, their philosophy, their strengths, their weaknesses whether or not they they got help at the trade deadline and that play showed. <laughs> yeah. God, I love Green Bay. So now we have a little bit of an idea. To me, the top tier is literally just three teams. It's Although these teams do have some flaws, but their strengths definitely – they definitely have better – more – I'm sorry. They have more strengths than they do weaknesses. And that's obviously the Eagles, the Chiefs, and the Bills. Again, three teams that do have some flaws, but right now they have basically just separated from the pack. With the Chiefs and the Bills, it's obviously the play of the quarterback. And, you know, with the Chiefs, it's quarterback and coach. With the Eagles, it's just a team camaraderie, a phenomenal roster, and that's where the aggressive and the progressive style really works. Um, then you have some other teams that uh, I believe about 10, eh, we'll, we'll, we'll just say at least eight. Yeah, at least eight teams that are in that second tier that are, you know, either um, seven and one, um, you know, six and two, or just a little bit lower. I, I even have a, uh, I even have a, a four or five team in there just simply just because of what their quarterback's going through and because everything else around the quarterbacks just looks in shambles, but. You know, he he looks okay. Not as great as he once did, but he looks okay. So I'm going to just simply just, uh, I guess if, if Rob really just wants an actual team, I'm just going to say the Chiefs. We saw on Sunday night that the Chiefs can play basically when, when you put in the totality of half of the fourth quarter and half of overtime, they basically played one full quarter and – and beat a team with an elite defense with great coaching, Pat Mahomes being Pat Mahomes and doing Pat Mahomes style things. And again, playing very, not conservative, but they're definitely just, they're, they're very frugal about their play calling. And you can even just see it in, you know, with Patrick Mahomes, even down the stretch, you know, he's not really doing the whole let's go. He's not, fist bumping. He's not reminding people that, you know, he was either number four on the top 100 or, you know, just kind of just being petty. Like, no, he's getting back up and he's running back to the huddle. Like he is dialed in, he is focused. And when we see a Patrick Mahomes focus like that and an Andy Reid style of aggression, normally leads to W's. And they were coming off a bye. 
Obviously, uh, Handy Reid's uh, bye record speaks for himself. I think he's only lost about three or four games coming off of a bye in his entire career. Almost, almost had another one if it wasn't for if it wasn't for Todd Downing, the Titans' offensive coordinator. I th- I, the only thing I'll say about the Titans is that I think it's sad how the person that's costing them games isn't even wearing a helmet; like he's wearing a headset. And that's that's literally all I'll say about that. It's it's Todd Downing, Titans fans. That that's the problem. But uh, I guess yeah, just sticking with the best team in the NFL, it's going to have to be the Chiefs. And I'm I'll admit when I'm wrong. And I picked the Chargers to win this division. The Chargers just look completely in shambles. They they just barely beat. Um, God, I don't even, I don't remember who they barely beat. I know that they were oh the the Falcons oh, yeah of course uh, they they beat the Falcons by a field goal and I'm sitting here while um, you know scrolling through the NFL just kind of watching all the games you know it's tough to really watch that many games all at once and kind of keep everything up that's why obviously I watch the condensed versions about a day or two later just to kind of see what I missed. Um, but yeah, I'm just sitting there and I'm just going, is Brandon Staley and Justin Herbert, are they really about to lose to the Falcons? Like, do I need to start really taking the Falcons seriously? <laughs> and, and again, this is with Marcus Mariota and we love Arthur Smith, but are they really about to beat the Chargers? And, but you know, the Chargers ended up pulling it out, but you know, they had to come back and really try. The Chiefs just seemed as though they only try for about a quarter and can still come away with the W. It's it, – well, I guess the second thing I'll say about the Titans is it, it was incredibly frustrating watching that game because I was watching it as a Titans fan. It's it's incredibly frustrating how your defense is that elite, specifically your defensive line, and you basically kick the Chiefs' ass for three and a half quarters of football, and all it takes is literally just a couple drives and overtime and all that elite defensive play and all – Pretty much every bit of that play calling, scheming, and effort, every bit of that goes out the door. Every bit of it. it it's it's all worthless, and it's it was a sad ending for Titans fans. But I'll tell you who had a better ending in a little bit more of a dramatic, fashionable way, and that's the Dolphins. When Rob sent us these talking points, I was really hoping that the Bears were part of it. So when he said Dolphins, I think that was a little bit of his, uh, him and me telepathically communicating, just like, all right, well, I'm not going to say Bears because that make it seem like we're we're, we're going to talk about how terrible they are. I'll just say Dolphins. That way you can say your views and your points about the Bears. First, I'll give flowers to the Dolphins. This is another win, Tua, or of Tua starting at quarterback, playing well. Uh, I enjoy Mike McDaniel's press conferences. He's hilarious. <laughs> Makes it seem as though he's uh, – it, it seemed like Mike McDaniel, especially how many times he references the office, I could see him playing a Steve Carell's son or like a Michael Scott uh, reincarnated. I can see if, uh, if if Michael Scott basically just became an NFL head coach and went to Yale instead of uh, becoming a paper salesman in Scranton, Pennsylvania. But – I'm gonna. Cons- I'm still on the hill that yes, the Dolphins are good. It's just not Tua. To if you look at the box score, Tua had another big game. But when you're throwing to Tyreek Hill, ladies and gentlemen, we're halfway through the NFL season. That man has 
I think almost uh, like nine, like I think he has almost like eighty catches. Like, like he, like he, they are force feeding him the ball. Like it is. I mean, obviously, there's a reason that he's on pace to at least break the record. But still, like I mean, they're they're having a really great season. And the addition of Bradley Chubb, you saw him make a couple plays. You saw him get in rotation. Still learning the playbook, but I mean, still you know definitely a presence. Uh, Javon Holland, uh, their uh, safety from Oregon. Like I, I loved him when he played at Oregon. And when he went to that style of defense, it just kind of just showed that he was just going to be the thumper that they wanted Minka Fitzpatrick to be before they traded him away. But he's having a really good season um, as well. Man, I just – even though the Bills lost, the AFC East is just a tad bit strange because – and we'll, you know, the next talking point is the Jets. So I guess I'll make my point about the Dolphins and um, the Bears, and I'll just get just stay right in the AFCs. But um, with the Dolphins, it's just odd because again, I'm just not a believer in Tua. I have absolutely no belief in Tua. I will continue to say that this team is built for warm weather, and the one thing that can, I guess, play to their advantage is how serious is this UCL quote-unquote sprain that Josh Allen has in his elbow? That's basically the bigger question. We've already dubbed the Dolphins a playoff team. Doesn't seem like that's a conversation right now. In the offseason, it seems like a conversation. Right now, not so much. Now the conversation just kind of shifts of how serious is this injury to to Josh Allen? Because now I believe um, I believe the Dolphins are I think one game, maybe maybe two. They're they're pretty close to at least leading the division. They're not too far behind when it comes to uh, the division standings. So let's say that I don't know. Worst case scenario, the Bills have Josh Allen out for a month. Maybe less. Like, let's just say three weeks for argument's sake. You think Case Keenum can win you three games with that roster? You th- I mean, it's not a lot of games to play, and Case Keenum's definitely won some big games, but he's not Josh Allen. You know, they, they you know, the Bills don't have a run game. Josh Allen is their run game. And, you know, that's – it's definitely something to keep your eye on. Again, we've already dubbed – the Dolphins a playoff team. What if they were able to win division and host a playoff game? Like they warm weather, like they would have a chance to actually win that game, depending on who the opponent would be. I'm guessing if they're the three seed, they'd have to play the six seed. So they, you know, they're looking at um, I don't know, maybe the maybe the Bengals. Uh, I don't know, Titans if they. Well, they wouldn't be the Titans. Titans are definitely winning division. It, it's it, it already looks like a wrap. Um, I don't know, man, but it's definitely uh, definitely worth keeping your eye on. Now we're gonna go over to the Bears. I was hammering down that the Bears were gonna win about three games, and I kind of went back and forth with that because I was really unhappy for Justin Fields. Because I believed in Justin Fields' talent, I just thought the situation around him was completely terrible. Whereas Justin Fields is going to have to be everything, and with a putrid offensive line for that matter. I have to give credit to the offensive coordinator 
and the coaching staff on the offensive side for Justin Fields because they're 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 just leaning into what he does best, and that's just being just uber athletic. It looks as though Chicago not only has found their franchise quarterback, and there's probably some Sid Luckman fans that are upset. Some of you are probably wondering who the hell that even is. I guess recency bias in my generation of hell, there was no way Rex Grossman and Jay Cutler could be dubbed as franchise-level quarterbacks. They were quarterbacking a franchise, but a franchise to build around either one of them, not very likely. Justin Fields, you can definitely build around that guy. That guy has what it takes. Now, they lost, and I know there's no moral victories in the NFL, but that's a pretty good loss. To go up against that style of team, that fast, the perimeter weapons that they have, the innovation on offense that Mike McDaniel brings to just literally just use your legs, make some throws, get out of the pocket, you know, be a good decision maker. Don't turn the ball over. Like that's, that's fun to watch. That was, that was a very, I didn't watch all of it in the totality, obviously, cause I'm watching so much or so many other games. But when I watched a condensed version, like I was, I was wanting to watch that again. Like that was a very, very entertaining game to watch. What was also entertaining to watch, and I was kind of dialed in a little bit more than I thought I would be, was the Jets and the the Bills. And, man, I, I got to give Justin props. I didn't think Sauce was as good as he was. Like, Justin has been on the Sauce train for a couple years, and... He looks like just just another version of just a shutdown corner, like a legitimate shutdown corner. He may not, you know, he may not be like Revis Island or anything like that, but you know, like you can put him on the number one receiver and just have him follow around the number one receiver. The number one receiver can either go off or they can just have a complete dud. But he is um, I guess the term would be a universal coverage type person. Like you literally just find the number one receiver with sauce, say, go cover that guy <laughs> and just, just stay with him the entire game. And with Buffalo, it really kind of showed because Buffalo was playing a lot like how Kansas City used to play where when they had Tyreek Hill. They're just looking for that, um, you know, just that one, you know, that one deep throw downfield to really just kind of just have a backbreaker. You know, the moment they get the ball, they're just looking for that complete deep ball. And just with the absence of a run game that they have, it's easier to shut that down because at least with uh, Andy Reid's offense, they may not have a dynamic running back, but they're going to have some semblance of a run game. The knock on Sean McDermott has just been he just refuses to acknowledge that. And he just, he just trusts that Josh Allen is not only a part of the run game, but the run game. And it just can't be like that. Again, he's now he's got a sprain in his UCL. I don't, I'm pretty sure it's, th- it's a throwing shoulder. Cause I remember when he got hit and he got up and he, 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 um, he gripped it. I was like, Oh, that's like, he's hurt. Like how serious is that? And they, you know, obviously it just went right to the next play. No one even really 
talked about. I don't think the broadcasters even just said anything about it. And I just, uh, but you can definitely tell the jets. They're still taking the game out of Zach Wilson's hands. They just have such a good, not an elite elite roster, but they just got some really good players. Like the last two drafts, specifically this last draft, if Brees Hall doesn't get hurt and a lot and Elijah Vera Tucker was playing yesterday and he didn't get hurt, you could make the argument that the Jets probably would have just completely rolled the Bills then because they were they were right there with them. Again, Sauce had that huge interception. Josh Allen's been kind of throwing a little bit more picks than usual. And now that he's got this injury, which I read a little bit into that, there's there's not a whole lot to, I guess, re- uh, reporters are talking about, which, I mean, that's probably because Sean McDermott's just not really giving them the idea. I don't want to say he's being coy like Belichick or anything like that. I just think that just, you know, from what I was reading and usually just from what I was trying to, you know, figure out, there's just not really a whole lot there. It's just been dubbed as a UCLA sprain. We'll see how that kind of plays out, though. But I'm really enjoying the Jets. Um, we said in the offseason, and we even just said a little bit uh, within the season, just don't be dead by Halloween. Just give your fans a reason to be optimistic about your season. Well, it seems, though, they have every reason to be optimistic about their team and, hell, maybe even their head coach. I mean, Robert Sala is kind of just finding his groove and really just putting his uh, thumbprint on the team. It's just the only thing that fans are really just now still questioning and kind of just still wondering, like, oh, my God, don't screw this up, don't screw this up, don't screw this up, is Zach Wilson. And, unfortunately, in the NFL, especially within the business side, the quarterback, that's just – like you, especially at number two, like you can't miss on that. You can't. Now, to be fair, that draft class is not looking good. So they're at least, you know, they're benefiting from that. But still, it's just, you know, man, like so many sweet players look good. Uh, we've given the props to Sauce. Brees Hall, unfortunately, got her Elijah Vera Tucker. Hell, Jermaine Johnson, when he ran down and sacked Josh Allen, that was impressive. Not many people run down Josh Allen. That that defensive lineman that's that big to run him down. Now, he's not like big, like kind of like Jordan Davis big. He's just yoked. He's just jacked. He's definitely top-heavy, but he was – he was able to run down Josh Allen. That was very, very impressive. You know, the Jets got four starters from this draft, which is it's not unheard of, but it's definitely slim to none when stuff like that happens. Um, I'm interested to see how this plays out, specifically the AFC East, which we all kind of speculated it's just the Bills and everyone else, but now it just seems the AFC East is at least, you know, worth keeping an eye on. Tell you someone else, or uh, another team to keep an eye on. Those Minnesota Vikings. They made the big move, acquiring TJ Hawkinson. He gets inserted right into the lineup. No questions asked. Doesn't even look like he loses a step. I was happy to see the Minnesota Vikings the way that they worked up. And uh, it's even funny because every now and then they'll go to Kevin O'Connell and they'll um, they'll see how he's um, just kind of like, – like when things are going good, like he's smiling. He's just kind of, you know, laughing with his team. He's, you know, just having a conversation. Well, this past Sunday it wasn't that great because they were down 17-7 to in the fourth quarter. 
And then Kirk Cousins turned into, you like that, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> and, you know, obviously we saw him on the plane, you know, iced up, you know, got the chain, dancing. Kirk looked like he'd been hitting the gym, too. Like, Kirk, Kirk looking good. Kirk feeling good, too. It's He's got his team rolling. Now, they do play the Bills next week. And that would be kind of fun. It will be. It would be funny. It'd be interesting for storylines if we hear later in the week that Josh Allen is out and Case Keenum is starting, and Case Keenum starts against Kirk Cousins, where Case Keenum was the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings before Kurt. Uh Oh, that'd be that'd be definitely entertaining to see. But getting back to the Vikings and the the Commanders, um, man, I that that was it was. I was nervous watching that game because I'm just sitting here just kind of just going like, man, they just acquired TJ Hawkinson and they're about to lose to Ron Rivera and Taylor Heineke. What in the hell? We've seen a strange NFL season with some strange and hell, some XFL quarterbacks thriving. But man, this is just getting ridiculous. Like you are, not only are you leading division, you're kind of running away with division and the rest of your division doesn't look that great. And about to lose to the commanders didn't though so it's it's you know what do we say it's much easier to correct losses after a win and the the vikings are definitely feeling themselves another close game again they got the bills next week uh what's what's the rest of their schedule look like actually all right so they're seven and one with the bills the cowboys the pats and the jets within the next four games all right we're going we're gonna to see how real these Vikings are. They may have a lead in division, but that that's a little bit that's a whole month of uh, competing at, at, not only against playoff teams, but at least some good caliber defenses as well. That's definitely going to be fun to watch. All right, <clears throat> kind of getting a little bit to uh, to the negative vibes here. Um, <clears throat> had to be done. Have to talk about it. Hate it, but. It, it is what it is. So Jim Ursay, which was already odd that Jim Ursay is the one that broke the news on Monday, is that the they they parted ways with Frank Reich, which, you know, they fired him. It is what it is. But it's uh, Jim Ursay's kind of starting to turn into Jerry a little bit. You know, everyone really makes fun of Jerry Jones by just being a meddling owner and not only a me- uh, meddling owner, also like a meddling general manager and a general manager that maybe doesn't take emotion out of it like he should when it comes to the business side, but you know, whatever. So Jim Irsay kind of starting to get like that. And not only that, Jim Irsay has kind of had a just a weird – he just had a weird off season, you know. There was that, um, and even just a little bit of the end season, you know. Obviously, with um, with him calling out Dan Snyder and just saying that, you know, we're going to force him to sell the team. Um, then they, I, I don't remember the guy's name, but he was the offensive coordinator for the Colts before they fired Frank Wright. Again, I don't, I don't remember his name, but uh, he was, um, he was basically the first fall guy. So they. They fire him, and then and that was just a couple weeks ago. And then you know Jim Irsay is like, "Oh yeah, Frank's fine. Yeah, Frank's good." Ladies and gentlemen, I'm pretty sure that that uh, I'm pretty sure that, that offensive coordinator wasn't even calling plays. Again, they just needed a fall guy, 
and then it just got too bad because in uh, <clears throat> the timeline matches up, you know, take out the Dan Snyder shit, take that out. Let's just stick with the team. So he benches Matt Ryan and then they go to Sam Elliger and they fire Frank coach after he's saying he's safe. And now the newest bit of news with the Indianapolis Colts is that beloved former Indianapolis Colts center, the pancake man, as he's known, he is going to be running the team. He's the new head coach. Ladies and gentlemen, it's already said that he has absolutely no coaching experience and that, you know, but he, that's not completely true. He has high school coaching experience and even the high school record. I think I saw he was 20 and 16 for, what was it? Three. I I think it was like three years, two years, something like that. It was a very short amount of time, but yeah, he's only coached for high school and now he's coaching the Indianapolis Colts, which is, Pretty funny because uh, he tweeted out a few weeks ago how bad the Raiders were, and now he gets to go play the the Raiders. <laughs> Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard get to go see Josh McDaniel and be like, you know, you oh, you didn't want this? You didn't want us? You said no to us? We just fired the guy that <laughs> we had to band-aid after you? Man, the NFL, ladies and gentlemen, it's it's the greatest reality show on TV. It really is. But I'm rooting for Jeff Saturday because I like the underdog aspect. No one's giving him a chance. He just doesn't have a lot to work with. Jonathan Taylor's hurt. Michael Pittman Jr. can only be so much. You know, it just seems like week by week he's looking more like a elite wide receiver two instead of a decent wide receiver one. Uh, their offensive line, God, what has happened to their offensive line? Just um, uh, Braden Smith, I think I'm saying that name right. If I'm not, I apologize to the family. I just saw that he's uh, he's hurt. And, man, it just it, it's not looking good for the Colts. And they just got their ass kicked by Bill. I, th- I think at one point I saw they were O. For eleven on third down, jeez, <laughs> just just a complete ass kicking, and then Frank loses his job the very next day. It's it's funny too, ladies and gentlemen, because um, before I was going to bed on Sunday night, after I you know took the dogs for a walk, I'm having my little you know Sunday night uh, ponder session. I was wondering. And I, w- I was going to text Rob and Justin in our group text just to leave, at least bring up the conversation. Just be like, is Frank really going to make it to the end of the season? Like, I feel like he's already trading on pretty thin ice to begin with. And then today's loss was atrocious. And yeah, it just turns out Jim Irsay thought it was atrocious as well. Jim Irsay is kind of, you know, we talked about him being a, a meddling owner. He's <laughs> kind of just turning into one of those just, um, it's almost like Al Davis, like, <clears throat> excuse me, I guess, uh, <clears throat> wet my whistle. Excuse me. Yeah, I think Jim Mercer is just going to, I think he's just going to just continue to be a meddling owner. Uh, if I was an NFL franchise, especially with a, either a struggling offense or hell, even with a good offense, I'd hire Frank Wright. He's a good coach. He's led 
Nick Saban to a, or not, not Nick Saban, <laughs> excuse me, Nick Foles. <laughs> you, oh, you wonder why Nick Saban's on my mind? <laughs> Tune into this week for Ball and Barrel and you'll definitely find out. Um, but yeah, he led Nick Foles to a Super Bowl. Um, it really, I think him and Chris Ballard did not want to get rid of Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, he had terrible play, but statistically it wasn't that bad. Not as bad as what we're seeing with Matt Ryan and Sam Elger. Much better than what we're seeing. And I think Jim Irsay just wanted him out. And when the owner wants something, the owner gets it. Doesn't matter how good or what kind of ties you have to the player. And it, that that's what it is. Uh, loyalty can only take you so far. You know, at some point, loyalty, when loyalty stops becoming a two-way street, it's not really loyal anymore. Jim Irsay was not having it with Carson Wentz anymore, told him to get rid of it. And, you know, now they're kind of trapped. So they obviously had to overspend. And for overspend, I don't think two third round, two threes in the draft are overspending for Matt Ryan, considering how you thought he could just have some type of like career resurgence or at least just be competent from what they were. But it is, God, it has been a disaster. It is. It has been so bad, and Jim Irsay finally had enough of it. Um, he claims that um, Jeff Saturday has been a "quote unquote" consultant for the Colts for about for a couple of years. It's one thing to be a consultant; it's another thing to work for that consultant. When you have a consultant, that's normally someone to just kind of just like do the brain power, like the brainstorming with you. Like you throw out an idea, they throw out their idea, you give your opinion, they give theirs, you know, it's a, it's a give and take, you know, when you work for someone and you work for the consultant, whatever they say goes, you can give your opinion, but at the end of the, at the end of the day, it's their decision. It's a totally different mindset. Uh, again, I'm I'm rooting for Jeff Saturday. I enjoy him every time I see him or every time I hear him talk or really just kind of just <clears throat> just talk about football just in general. He's just legitimately happy. He's fired up. He gets you fired up. Again, the pancake segment for Get Up is incredible. Uh, I mean, Get Up's the only sports show in the morning that I watch just because, I, I mean, I love Get Up. I, I hate ESPN, but I love Get Up. Um, it's – he's not in the best situation. But then again, Jim Irsay is pretty reckless, so we'll we'll literally just have to see how this plays out. Speaking of how things play out, now that Frank Reich has been let go, let me give you a little bit of an update on the 2018 head coaching hires. Arizona hired Steve Wilkes. Fired. Interim coach in Carolina may get fired there, too. Maybe. Possibly. For sure. (laughs) Chicago. Matt Nagy. Fired. Matt Nagy. Hey, he's he's hanging out with Pat Mahomes. Life's good. (laughs) You you can pay Matt Nagy 30 grand. All he has to do is hang out with Pat Mahomes and draw up plays on the piece of paper. Cool. I'd take that job. Um, Matt Patricia. Fired from Detroit. Went, went screaming back to Bill Belichick. Offense looks competent, but eh, I, it's, it's 
it's, it, again, they, they just beat the Colts. Let's 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 pump the brakes. Um, Frank Reich now fired. Um, it should have been Josh McDaniels, but we'll we'll discuss that. I guess either next week or maybe even a little bit in this podcast. We'll see how time goes. Um, Pat Shermer fired for the New York Giants. I don't think he's even coaching anymore. The uh, the biggest one was when John Gruden was hired on to be for, uh, for the, the coach for the Las Vegas Raiders. That big 10-year, $100 million contract. The last hire. Everyone made fun of this hire. People said this is a bad hire. A curveball. And that was when the Tennessee Titans brought in Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel has had four winning seasons, three playoff appearances, and two AFC South championships. Or I'm sorry, an AFC South championship appearance, along with two big playoff wins. One against the Jim Har- or John Harbaugh Ravens, and the other against the Bill Belichick and Tom Brady at the time, led Patriots. Ass kicker, badass. Yeah. We, it's funny how they say how everything plays out. Stuff like that will definitely play out, and it's it's played out well. I know I said I wouldn't talk about the Titans, but I, I definitely wanted to throw that in there because, again, we, we were talking about these coaches and we talking about the coaching updates. Just wanted to throw that in, how the, the coaching search from four years ago, how it's turned out. <sighs> then with that, uh, lastly, Rob wants to know the next head coach to be fired. I just said Josh McDaniels. I think that's – it's not reckless, but it's – it would be wild to see someone like Josh McDaniels not even last as long as Urban Meyer did in the NFL in his second stint as the – as an NFL head coach. Like, th- ladies and gentlemen, that would bury him for any team going forward, no matter what. Like he would, he would be blacklisted as an NFL head coach. He definitely has an argument. I mean, you take a playoff level team that won ten games with a special teams coach, a top twelve quarterback, again a playoff level roster. You get a competent GM, what we thought was a competent coach, and you get Devontae freaking Adams. And you're one of the, and it's, you're one of the worst teams offensively, horrible in the red zone. NFL man, NFL. Uh, again, that that would be crazy if he's the next one. I don't think he's the next one. That to me, the next one is um, Cliff Kingsbury. That's just to me, he is a dead man walking. Now. With Michael Bidwell, the um, the owner for the Cardinals, it's tricky because he just gave Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime extensions, and he and everyone knows they obviously just paid uh, they just paid Kyler. But God, when you watch that game against the Seattle Seahawks. Well, I guess the Seattle Seahawks will be my last second talking point. Kind of has to be, right? <laughs> but you just watch the Cardinals. Do they even want to? They even want to be there? 
Like, do they, they, are they even trying? And I also saw on the, the, uh, the interweb that Kyler Murray is getting into it with, with DeAndre Hopkins. Bro. Like, he is, I'm pretty sure DeAndre Hopkins is the last line of defense for everyone coming after Kyler. And you're trying to take, or you're arguing or trying to take down the only person that's literally just riding with you. Everyone else can't stand you. And the one guy who's, you know, trying to build you up, pad up your stats, really get your back, develop chemistry. You're going to sit there and you're just going to dog him in front of everybody, especially a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. If I was DeAndre Hopkins, I'd be like, bro, who the fuck are you? Like, like, like you're a child who cried. And we won't, we won't get into that. I think it's Cliff Kingsbury. It's already. I'll say this: I can't wait to uh, to watch um, midseason uh, hard knocks. I don't know if you, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you know they're doing that. They're doing a, a midseason level uh, viewing of hard knocks, and the Arizona Cardinals are the team. That just gave me a reason to to definitely watch that. Lastly, sticking with a sticking with the flying bird. The Seattle Seahawks. You know, we talked about how the Arizona Cardinals, how they just didn't even care. They they just don't even want to be there. My sus team of the week was the Titans. But I know just, or I'm pretty sure Justin will stick with the Cardinals. But how can you not have a, I guess, a talk show topic, podcast topic at the bar with your friends or hell, even at work or a water cooler type topic of did anyone realistically see Seattle being this good? And when I say this good, it's really hard to say that they did not win the divorce. Ladies and gentlemen, right now it looks like a complete fleece job. I was going to say this in the group message. I didn't because I wanted to save this for the podcast. The Seattle Seahawks are officially boat owners. They live near the water, so they definitely have some justification for that. The reason I say that, and you know, we all know the saying, the be- when it comes to boats, the best day of your life is when you buy a boat. The second best day of your life is when you sell it. And they're boat people. They... Bought Russell Wilson in a third in a third tier, dump, um, I don't know, lot <laughs> or a third tier salesman. It turns out to be an amazing investment, and the moment you get rid of it, when you see that it's starting to be a sinking ship anyway, you give it to someone else, and what looks like they're drowning in open ocean and all that cash that you just got, you're just spending it on just good players. Well, you're not really spending it on good players. You drafted those good players, so you're paying them peanuts. But we said the Jets got four quality starters. Hell, the Seattle Seahawks got five. That's unheard of. Getting five starters, contributing starters from one draft. It is definitely revamped that upgrade or uh, that uh, that rebuild. It's that de- it's a huge upgrade because. Man, 
and again, like even the 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 press conference that Tyler Lockett just had, like him and DK are just there together. Like it's just a together style field. There's no superstar. And you know, we said last week this this is what Pete Carroll does. You know, you get him a young team, especially with a good dynamic running back, they're gonna do well. And they're they're continuing to do well. Um, I'm looking at Seattle's uh, upcoming schedule, and <laughs> could Seattle be kind of a player? We'll see. I'll just I'll just let you know their next four games. So next week they have the Rams. We won't even talk about them. They're completely in shambles. And the um, oh, I'm sorry, that was the the Arizona Cardinals. Um, <laughs> excuse me, that is that is not what I was looking for. <laughs> Seattle cannot yeah Seattle would not it, well even if they were to lose every single game the rest of the way I still believe they're going to walk away from that divorce of yeah we we fleeced you we, we got it so the next four games for Seattle uh, they go they go to the Bucks, or I guess that, that game's going to be uh, what looks to be uh, I guess that's the Germany game maybe yeah I'm pretty sure that's the Germany game uh, then they host the Raiders, disaster. Then the Rams, disaster. And the Panthers, disaster. <laughs> Hell, I'll just keep going. Uh, then they host the Niners. The Niners will be healthy by then. That's mid-December. That'll be a good game. It's already in prime time. Makes sense. Then they play the Chiefs, the Jets, and then they finish with the Rams again. The Seattle Seahawks, ladies and gentlemen, could be a player. Could be a wild card team. NFC is not good. <laughs> they, they could be a possibly 10 or 11 win team and have to go play the Tom Brady led bucks at, I don't know. Tom could, Tom looks like he's going to win like eight games, seven or eight, which is crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, I looked it up. Tom Brady's never had a losing season. Never. This could be his first one. Mm. God, I love the NFL. Appreciate everyone listening in. Keep subscribing. Keep telling your friends. Keep telling your family. We really appreciate all the new listeners. Again, it'll just be me going forward. I'll definitely have some people on from time to time. But, hey, if you got things you want me to talk about, things you want me to um, speculate or kind of deep or dive a little deep into to kind of just give a little bit of a speculation, talk about the state of the team, obviously keep following along with Ball and Barrel. We're going to have a lot to talk about. Hell, I, I, I may be on one. Ladies and gentlemen, with Ball and Barrel, I may be on one. I may have a few extra bourbons. Guac is extra, and so am I. Thank you all. And, of course, who that?